Hello and welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Michael Schaefer. And I'm Fiona Bennett. Happy New Year, Fee. Well said, well said. And Happy New Year to you, Michael. Yes, indeed. And to, and to everyone that's listening, um, uh, Larry David says there is a statute of limitations on how long you can say Happy New Year for. And I think for him it's like three days or five days or something. But it's our first episode of 2023, so I'm giving us permission to say it. I think that's fine. Any excuse to say happy anything. Yeah, exactly. And I'm happy. Right, yeah. Michael, it's kind of a bit exciting. I've just got to mention this. As we record this voiceover, which will then be in our listeners' ears in just over a week's time, somewhere not too far from where you're sitting, there is an imminent announcement of the winner of this year's T.S. Eliot Prize. Ah. But we don't know who it is. Various people have been messaging me today with various kinds of sweepstakes. <laughs> and um, Who's favourite, Fee? Well, I don't, I don't know who's technically favourite okay. out in the world. I think if it was mine to gift, I'd be gifting it to Zafar Kuniel, mm. who we've yet to hear from on the podcast. So that's a good note to sell. Yeah, we'll add him to the list. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so that's exciting, isn't it, Michael? But by the time this goes out, it will be known mm. who has won the £25,000 first prize. That's good, isn't it? Twenty-five grand. Yeah, not bad, is it? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful shortlist of other poets as well. Ah, now, there's one other thing before we get into the episode. Michael, what did you give me for Christmas? <laughs> I gave you the Poetry Unbound anthology compiled by Podrig Otuma, who, of course, we've had on our podcast, and he obviously makes his own podcast, Poetry Unbound. And, uh, yeah, he's produced this anthology. How is it, Fee? It's brilliant. Is it? It's a very wonderful thing to have. And fascinating because, of course, one listens to Podrig with his beautiful insights around the poems on the podcast, but to hold in your hand the book and um, have him speak to you through the page is is also an absolute treat. And I know a couple of other listeners, uh, regular listeners, have also got this in their hands. So there's a general fest and feast of uh, poetry been going on, which is great. Well, I'm very pleased you're enjoying it. That's great. Did I give you a present, Michael? You did give me a wonderful present, Fiona. You gave me uh, Nick Laird's collection of poems called Feel Free, and I've been thoroughly enjoying dipping in and out of that. Yeah, I'd heartily recommend it to anyone. It's terrific, actually. Great. So, without further ado... Well, you've been doing a bit of digging, Fiona, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. I've been doing a little bit of tending to the archive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all those audio files that have been carefully preserved in some kind of cotton wool inside the computer annals of the Poetry Exchange. And sometimes, many times, there have been wonderful conversations that it just hasn't been the right moment to release that episode or we've had something else coming along that's felt topical or and things have sort of bumped along. And it's been a wonderful experience to dive in there and have a good listen, actually. And I was particularly thrilled to listen to this one that I was not part of. There's always something very special about discovering a conversation that you weren't there for and thinking about offering that to the listeners. And um, this was yourself and the wonderful Andrea at Durham University at least a couple, if not more, years ago. Yeah. But it really felt like a great conversation to, to lift back up. I remember it quite clearly, actually, Fiona. It was quite extraordinary to to meet our guest and to be introduced to this poem and 
to hear about the very particular connection um, that our guest had with this poem. So you'll be hearing myself and Andrea talking about Grief by Matthew Dickman, the poem that's been a friend to Rowena. Would you mind reading it out loud for us? Yeah, that'd be fine. When grief comes to you as a purple gorilla, you must count yourself lucky. You must offer her what's left of your dinner, the book you were trying to finish you must put aside, and make her a place to sit at the foot of your bed, her eyes moving from the clock to the television and back again. I'm not afraid. She's been here before, and now I can recognise her gait as she approaches the house. Some nights, when I know she's coming, I unlock the door, lie down on my back, and count her steps from the street to the porch. Tonight, she brings a pencil and a ream of paper, tells me to write down everyone I have ever known, and we separate them between the living and the dead, so she can pick each name at random. I play her favourite Willie Nelson album because she misses Texas, but I don't ask why. She hums a little, the way my brother does when he gardens. We sit for an hour while she tells me how unreasonable I've been, crying in the checkout line, refusing to eat, refusing to shower, all the smoking and all the drinking. Eventually, she puts one of her heavy purple arms around me, leans her head against mine, and all of a sudden, things are feeling romantic. So I tell her, things are feeling romantic. She pulls another name, this time from the dead, and turns to me in that way that parents do so you feel embarrassed or ashamed of something. Romantic, she says, reading the name out loud, slowly, so I am aware of each syllable, each vowel, wrapping around the bones like new muscle, the sound of that person's body and how reckless it is. How careless that his name is in one pile and not the other. Thank you. Thank you. It's a loaded poem, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's a, got humor a lot going on as well there, as yeah. really dark things there. When did you first come across this poem? It would have been a few years ago now when the poet uh, Matthew Dickman was doing readings in London and I didn't know anything about him at the time. All I knew was that the poetry scene uh, was going a little bit nuts about this guy mm. and everyone was going, Matthew Dickman's coming here, Matthew Dickman's coming because uh, he normally he lives in the States. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll go along and see this guy and he was absolutely phenomenal. I was totally blown away. He's an incredible performer as well. So I bought his second book that this comes from, Mayakovsky's Revolver and devoured it and then read it again, read it again. I just find I keep coming back to it and it's become one of my favorite poetry books. Did you feel this was a friend immediately? Did you hear it or did you read it first? I'm pretty sure he did read this. Hmm. Yeah, I remember being struck by this image of this purple gorilla and thinking, what a bizarre way to start a poem. Like it's very striking, but it's so bizarre when you think, you, you immediately think, oh, it's going to be a really silly poem, but then you think, well, no, it's called grief. Mm -hmm. And then it unfolds and you find out it's kind of both. Yeah, I, I mean, I was immediately, that, that first line, and, and I, I was in. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you've got me. <laughs> I'm going to invest now in this poem. That's just fantastic. When grief comes to you as a purple gorilla, you must count yourself lucky. Well, that and it's so interesting. Those two put together. You count yourself lucky. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that comes to mind is there's no missing it. I mean, mm. once that purple gorilla right. is right. at your window, yeah, you're not going to push it away. There's no ignoring that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know why, I was surprised with the gorilla's gender. Yeah, yeah, that Did it's that, a she. Yeah, yeah you yeah. must offer her what's left of your dinner. Hmm. You know, I never really thought about her gender before. It's interesting, because I think Matthew Dickman mostly writes about men, and when he does write about women, it's usually in a very sexual way, so I guess that's why the gorilla is a woman, because eventually things get a little bit romantic. He's yeah. a little bit in love with grief. Right, right. Why is he in love with grief? Do we love grief when it comes to visit? Well, I guess that's what he's saying, that you should, and that there's a kind of relief in abandoning yourself to grief and not, not struggling against it like he, like he normally does, because he says when grief comes to you as a perfect gorilla, so presumably it comes in other forms which are easier to ignore. Uh -huh. oh, but yeah. this form yeah. is completely undeniable, so he just lies down on his bed and he says, yeah, I'm just going to be utterly devastated for a while. Yeah. He senses her coming, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he writes a lot of poems about grief because his, um, his brother committed suicide. Mm. So this is kind of like one of many poems in the book about grieving. Um, so you get the impression, yeah, he has been grieving for years and years and he's, he's very used to it by this point. Well, and that's why the, the, the gorilla image is so interesting because let's say you tried to push the gorilla away. I mean, their, their sheer sort of brute strength means mm. that they're going to tear open the door and make it ugly. Mm. So instead, it, he, he almost has to say it has to be a romance instead of a, a struggle. I want to come mm. to the romance when we get there. I've got yeah. to go through it a okay. bit more. <laughs> He's not there yet. He's no. not there. <laughs> But, so what he does after he's let her in, so tonight she brings a pencil and a ream of paper. This is a new thing, I, I sense. Mm. Tells me to write down everyone I've ever known. And we separate them between the living and the dead. So she can pick each name at random. Mm -hmm. So we've got this image now mm. yeah. of all these names, the living and the dead. Mm. And she's, the gorilla is going to pick a name at random. And sort of do what with it? Do, or is that just left and will come to it? I think the fact that he doesn't know is one of the things that's so scary about the situation. She is utterly in control. She's going to pick the names randomly. As with death, you never know who it's going to be. Mm. And he's completely helpless in this situation. And I love as well that he says tonight she brings a pencil and a ream of paper and you think, well, my immediate thought was, oh, he's going to start writing some poems. Mm. And then he mm. just completely turns the situation on its head by saying, no, I'm going to write down everyone I've never no ever known, the living and the dead. And it's not just a piece of paper, it's a ream, it's a ream. of paper, oh, so yeah. it's going to go on and on and on. It's a long list. Yeah. Mm. And then this, I suppose it's 
I don't know, almost going back to the sort of the more comic aspect of the poem, I play her favourite Willie Nelson album because she misses Texas. <laughs> the purple gorilla is from Texas. <laughs> I imagine that. Are you from Texas? I was born in Texas. I didn't live there for long, up until about age 11 or 12. Do you meet this gorilla? <laughs> I do not remember meeting her. I do, I do know her. Um, I think all of us do, but I didn't meet her in Texas. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? It's like the poems are almost gotten a bit too dark too quickly and he kind of regresses. Um, and I, I, when I was looking at this again last night, I thought, I wonder why he chose Willie Nelson of all the country singers to choose. And I looked up Willie Nelson and read a little bit about him, and apparently Willie Nelson, one of his sons committed suicide. Oh, wow. She hums a little the way my brother does when he gardens. Oh, well, that's interesting. You said it was his brother that took his life. I think here he's actually referring to his other brother uh -huh. because it's in the present tense. Yeah, yes. Mm. But I, so I do find that line really interesting because I can't tell if she's humming like his brother because that's quite nice and familiar and soothing or if it's an implied threat. Like I've taken one of your brothers and I could take the other. Oh. I think mm. it might be a bit of both. Yeah, I think it might mm. be. Well, and it just occurred to me, I mean, as you were saying that, if both brothers experience the grief too. I mean, he knows it too, obviously. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So maybe he's frightened of finding his name in the list of the dead? I, I don't know. It's just there's something that's sort of giving me chills right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about Matthew Dickman. It's such, it's such a, a plain, simple little line. Mm. <laughs> the way my brother does when he gardens, but it hits you really hard, yeah. doesn't it? We sit for an hour while she tells me how unreasonable I've been. Mm. Crying in the checkout line, refusing to eat, refusing to shower, all the smoking and all the drinking. Mm -hmm. what, what do you do with that, the unreasonable nature of those things that, I guess, to me, sound quite reasonable? <laughs> it's a really, yeah, it's really funny because it's like suddenly she's become very maternal. It's telling him off for his bad behaviour. Mm. But I suppose it's... Um, it's about the struggle again, isn't it? When he's, when he's crying and he's not eating or showering, it's, you know, it's self-medicating, he's struggling against the grief, isn't it? He's, mm. trying to, he's trying to push it to one side or distract himself. And she's saying, why are you doing this? Why are you bothering? You know I'm going to come mm. eventually and you can't do anything about it. Mm. Eventually she puts one of her heavy purple arms around me, leans her head against mine, and all of a sudden, things are feeling romantic. Yes. I mean, that's such a, an unusual turn for the poem <laughs> yeah, to take. Yeah, We're not seeing that yeah. one coming. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I tell her, things are feeling romantic. She pulls another name, this time from the dead, and turns to me in that way parents do, so you feel embarrassed or ashamed or something. Romantic, she says. Reading the name out loud, slowly, so I am aware of each syllable, each vowel, wrapping around the bones like new muscle, the sound of that person's body and how reckless it is, how careless that his name is in one pile and not the other. I've slightly lost what's 
happening or something there. Because it's like there's two things. Mm. I can see what you mean. It's almost like a mixed metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> there's a lot of metaphor going on here. It's that sort of note of surprise, romantic, you know, and I liked the way you read it too, yeah, because it's romantic, really, that's, that's what you're calling me, um, <laughs> well, you better think again, I mean, it's almost as if he's aware that, oh, well, she's, she's teasing me. Is he saying that when she reads the name out, it's almost like that person comes alive again, briefly? Mm by the act of naming them, mm. right? Mm. So that, uh, uh, you know, each syllable, each vowel wrapping around the bones like new muscle. The sound of that person's body. Mm. And it's interesting, he says how reckless it is, how careless. It's not saying how, what a matter of chance it is. Mm. It's saying how reckless. Mm. I love that line break as well, because at first you think he's saying the person's body is reckless. And I think that makes perfect sense because a person's body is, when, you, when it comes down to it, it's just terrifyingly delicate mm. and it can be broken so easily. So you're thinking about the body being, being almost reckless in its, in its existence and kind of very, very precarious. You never really, yeah, it's very hard to keep a body safe. And then it moves on to how careless. And you realise the recklessness also applies to the fact that, you know, you can be in the pile of names of the living or the pile of names of the dead. What or, or who is he ultimately talking about? What is it about? What, if you were to sum it up, and I know that's a question mm -hmm. I sort of resist, but I'm just so curious what you might say if you were to collapse that into a sentence, this, this magnificent poem. Oh, it's a hard one. Um, I guess it is about the importance of accepting your feelings even if only briefly, I think it's important to just, yeah, when you lose someone, to just wallow a little bit, but also not to lose yourself completely, because I think Matthew is still very much in this poem. He still has his sense of humor. He still has a sense of playfulness. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's clear that he, he's very much alive in this poem. Yeah. Yes. I like that. And can I ask, in a way, what sort of place does this poem have for you in your life? You know, where does it sort of live for you? Um, well, I found myself reaching for it recently um, because I had my first real experience of grief. Um, about a month ago, I found out one of my friends killed himself. Um, and Matthew Dickman, I think he was the only person I knew who wrote quite a lot about suicide. Um, so I'd, I'd loaned my book to a friend and I, <laughs> I asked for it back because I just thought reading these poems would be really cathartic. And it, and it is, and it really helped. I think it, reading them really helped me to write um, because I'm a, I'm a poet myself. Um, so I think I kind of used these poems as a springboard for my own writing and I kind of kind of gave me a permission to write about it and also to be a little bit 
silly because grieving is, well, in my experience, very surreal. You know, all the things that we associate with death, mm. like coffins and angels and crosses, none of those things have anything to do with the person you knew. Mm. So yeah, you do start thinking about things like, like purple gorillas. So is there a sense in which it kind of gives you permission for your grief to be kind of whatever it wants to be, whatever it needs to be? Yeah, I think so. I suppose that is part of what this poem is about. Him saying when grief comes to you as a purple gorilla, count yourself lucky. He's saying, you know, grief will come in the most bizarre ways and it's not predictable and you know it might not come as you wearing lots of black and being very serious and quiet mm. it might yeah it might come as something really garish and a bit bizarre mm. um but you know you've got to you've got to accept it in whatever form it comes in because you can't control it i think one of the most unhealthy things is to try to push it away to put barriers on all your doors and and the grill is out there and you know it is yeah. But you haven't allowed yourself that, that, that romance, you know, that time of metaphorically sort of lying in bed with that, that gorilla and just giving in to, you know, all right, you know, you're here to stay for a while, I'm just going to have to, you know, deal with it. And it's interesting, you're making, me, you're making me imagine what the kind of prequel to this poem would have been when, when he locked the doors to the gorilla, you know, mm. and the gorilla would presumably have to smash her way in. Right, right. You get the impression that it, it's been a kind of hard one lesson to let the gorilla in, and mm. it, you know, it might have might might have taken place over years. We don't know, but mm. yes. it's not something that he did immediately or that kind of came naturally to him he has to kind of force himself to let her in and just right. kind of relax a bit so the process of reading and writing is the process of coming to terms with this grief itself where do you feel the two will take you now the reading and the writing where does one go <laughs> next or do you just keep do we just have to keep visiting the purple gorilla? I don't know. No, I don't think I know either, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like I said, I've been very lucky. This is kind of my first experience of grief. And yeah, it has completely floored me. And part of the, I think, difficulty of it is how incredibly unpredictable it is. You know, you do mm. end up crying in the checkout queue suddenly, right, you know, right. yeah, <laughs> holding yeah. your bottle of milk, going, right. why is this milk making me cry? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I guess, but like, knowing me, I will, I will just keep writing, because um, that's, that's how you survive. Grief. By Matthew Dickman. When grief comes to you as a purple gorilla, you must count yourself lucky. You must offer her what's left of your dinner, the book you were trying to finish you must put aside, and make her a place to sit at the foot of your bed, her eyes moving from the clock to the television and back again. I'm not afraid. She's been here before, and now I can recognize her gait as she approaches the house. Some nights, when I know she's coming, I unlock the door. 
lie down on my back and count her steps from the street to the porch. Tonight, she brings a pencil and a ream of paper, tells me to write down everyone I have ever known, and we separate them between the living and the dead, so she can pick each name at random. I play her favorite Willie Nelson album, because she misses Texas, but I don't ask why. She hums a little, the way my brother does when he gardens. We sit for an hour while she tells me how unreasonable I've been, crying in the checkout line, refusing to eat, refusing to shower, all the smoking and all the drinking. Eventually, she puts one of her heavy purple arms around me, leans her head against mine, and all of a sudden things are feeling romantic, so I tell her things are feeling romantic. She pulls another name, this time from the dead, and turns to me in that way that parents do, so you feel embarrassed or ashamed of something. Romantic, she says, reading the name out loud, slowly, so I am aware of each syllable, each vowel, wrapping around the bones like new muscle, the sound of that person's body, and how reckless it is. How careless that his name is in one pile and not the other. That was Andrea with the gift reading at the end. Our thanks, of course, to Rowena for allowing us to use the conversation and to Matthew Dickman for allowing us to use his wonderful poem. It's hard to follow that, really, isn't it, hmm. Michael? It's a terrific conversation and a wonderful poem. And, um, you know, we have this thing that we explore, which is poems as friends. And I really felt the hand of friendship in both the poem and the conversation that the three of you had had together, not least for the way that good poem friends and conversations can carry us into conversations that we need to have, but that are perhaps sometimes harder to go to when we're facing grief and particularly difficult and unexpected loss. But I really felt that the poem did that and that you all found a way to be with that together, which was, which was a real privilege to hear. So I'm sure our listeners will be feeling that too. So... To Matthew Dickman, again, thanks. The poem is in his collection, Mayakovsky's Revolver, published by Norton. And we'll put details of that on the description page, along with details of Rowena's own work and where you can find out more of her wonderful voice and insights, a great force for poetry in the world. Yeah, very nicely said, Fee. Now, we've got a small request to ask of you, dear listener, we are conducting a survey of sorts. Um, we'd really like to find out more about you, find out more about who it is that is listening uh, and hopefully uh, enjoying the podcasts. So there is going to be a very short survey, shouldn't take you more than a couple of minutes uh, for you to fill out, uh, that you can access through our website thepoetryexchange.co.uk and if you could do that that would be enormously helpful to us we'd really appreciate it 
Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Michael. And we get messages from people and we love getting those messages. And um, it just felt that it was time and would be really helpful to our planning and some of our um, thinking with some of our partners and funders to do something a bit more rigorous, I suppose, in terms of trying to reach out. So it's a simple form. And um, if you can find the time to do that, we'd really be grateful. Yeah, we've had a few messages come through recently haven't we Fee and it just means the world when when we hear back from people so thank you so much so we'll be back next month with more poems as friends thank you for listening thank you